Hello and welcome to the Cognitive Engineering Podcast produced by Tell Me Studios for Aleph Insights. In this series of podcasts, we take a look at interesting topics and discuss what we think they tell us about analysis and decision making. I'm Fraser McGrewer and I'm here with Peter Coghill and Chris Ragg of Aleph Insights. And this week we're discussing the optimal rate of technological obsolescence. So Chris, this is very much on your mind at the moment. Tell us why. Uh, well, um, it's because it really got triggered by um, uh, visits to, to a hosp- the hospital I had recently. And um, uh, I was having my back scanned and uh, I wanted to get the scans. So um, I uh, asked for them and they gave them to me um, on a CD. Uh, at which point I realised I had no mechanism for reading a CD. Uh, nor transferring CD to uh, any other um, data storage format. Uh, uh, So it got me thinking about um, uh, sort of technology obsolescence and uh, the fact that it occurs. And we can all think, you know, the the classic one is um, people thinking about, you know, the the transition from vinyl to uh, tapes to CDs to uh, iPods and and now streaming. And that... Uh, you know these things happen and and there's a sort of life cycle to a to a technology it comes in it's new it's novel it grows users uh, and then uh, slowly you know it's it, it, it you find out what the limitations are in it for some reason and something something new develops um, and uh, and that's fine and and the rate of change is usually manageable but I definitely have this sense that when it comes to um, uh, sort of software technologies, the rate for for me as a user, the rate of um, change in in the technology uh, has has got beyond my ability to become expert in the use of the thing in the first place, uh, mm. or for it to be useful to me. Uh, and so I've got this this growing sense that we are developing new technologies and and old technologies are becoming obsolete uh, too quickly for humanity to actually get the most out of the technologies um, and I just think that's an interesting feature and I've won which okay so presumably you're on the same side of this as, well I have as a Chris, slight, Peter. I have a slightly different take I, don't, I think maybe Chris has maybe developed a set of ways of doing of going about life, and he's quite happy with those. So he doesn't feel the need to 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 evolve as much. But I, but I think the 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 value in a technology is not just inherent in that technology and that specific instance's use. I think every given every every technology consider this a consumer electronics market when they when they first brought out USB or a similar standard in bringing it out and people using it, they learned a lot about how people want to use electronics and that informed USB too. So the value in the value in the a lot of value in, an, in any given technology is in its obsolescence in what comes after it what what is learned from it about its weaknesses and about its about its shortcomings that enable you to make something better in the future. Well hold on making something better but better for who if it's better for the for the users of the technology i understand what you're saying the process part of it is is its kind of half-life if you like yeah um but what if it's suddenly as, as i think chris is saying i could be wrong is saying well if that starts becoming that change in itself starts becoming inconvenient to the user i, I mean i th- i th- i think part of the issue here is that the rate of technology um 
change is being driven by uh, people who are using the technologies very frequently. They're developing them and they're testing them with a relatively small pool of, of people. And there's almost um, there's almost like a, a, a relativity to um, to the to the user and and their experience of time with the technology. If you use something all the time, you become expert at it much more quickly and familiar with it much more quickly. And you then like, oh yeah, okay, I've, I've got this. I'm I, I you know I can use it and I can um, develop expertise in it. And so something feels old to you quicker than for the intermittent user who might only have used the thing twice before they've got to work out how to use the the next new one and i think those people those frequent users are currently the ones who are deciding when the next new yep. new thing should should come there's a kind of yeah. a class system within technology or something like but that i think i think that's sort of inevitable because that's where most of the data comes from that informs those companies which produce new products to go into the consumer market so like, they're going to have a louder voice because they are there's just much more data from them and i, I think that the the sort of uh the question that technology companies need to ask themselves uh is about the utility of the technology itself and where that utility comes from and i, I so you know i mean if um if musical instruments changed every six months, you know, there was no such thing as a guitar, it was now a seven-stringed instrument, uh, you know, that, that, that might be interesting, but how, how good would music be if you had this rapid evolution in, in musical instruments? Now, it might, be very, it might be something very different, and we might have, you know, evolved very different kind of music were that the case. But there's something about uh, allowing a community to form and to learn how to use this thing and then to broaden that community and get other ideas about how to use the thing uh, that, you know, when technology was moving more slowly, you know, um, you would get people being expert in musical instruments or the use of a plough or something, something like that. And that in itself creates new capability. And if you don't give time for the human expertise to interact with the technology and a breadth of human expertise to to interact with it i think you're missing uh something in the ultimate goal which is to be better at whatever it is the thing the tool does in the first place okay okay so i've got a take on this and i'm probably i have to confess i'm probably more uh, more on um chris's side of things so you're gonna have to convince me here um peter but um I get f so fed up on my computer, on all my electronic devices about being asked to update my operating software. I just get so fed up. Um, it does what I want it to do. I'm quite happy with it. Just leave me alone. That's one level of it. But what really annoys me now is how Apple keeps trying to trick me to update my software. And they did this to my wife recently. They tricked her. Okay. Whereas they asked you, do you want to update? No, I still don't want to update it after six months. Stop asking me. And then you, and so you say you swipe right, whatever it is saying, no, I don't want to. And then it asks you to put in your code to your phone, your passcode. And if you go, oh, all right, I'll, and you, you pass that in, but actually you're secretly and without realizing it saying, yeah, no, update this when I'm asleep tonight, if this is plugged into a power source. Okay. And so unbeknownst to you in the morning, you wake up with this new bloody software on your phone it's taking up more data and slowed down your phone. And I've been tricked into it. And what annoys me is the big brother aspect with a smile on it going, well, we're doing this to help you, to make you operate better. And that really annoys me. 
Um, that's the first thing I want to say. <laughs> the, 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 the second thing is, is maybe, again, maybe this is proving the Luddite in me, but when you talked about how technology moved more slowly before, is, is I'm just thinking of the loss. The, I think there's a loss of something. And so I, uh, maybe I'm over-romanticizing it, but I like the idea of, uh, of, 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 of craft, for example, of, of craftspeople, of, of carpentry and all these kind of things, which barely exists anymore. Um, or, or those sort of skills are not so common as they were. Am I just being a hopeless, dopey romantic? I think and, you're being a bit pastoralist. I think right. back in the day, people didn't develop a, a relationship, a romantic relationship with their plough. They just saw it as a tool and they just got on and used it. Um, so I don't. I think this sort of having lost something is uh, a bit overegged. But the the as technology develops, as more and more stuff gets done for us, life generally becomes easier. Uh, we can concentrate more on being profitable or having a good time the the, the, the these trade these sort of these desirable things like artisan projects you know you can still get people to make you furniture in a traditional way they become better because it, it, you're you're able to you don't you don't have to accept shoddy furniture from somebody who just happens to make furniture you can get the best furniture from people who are very good at making specific types of furniture or um the arts and crafts like itsy where you, people make cards and make you know and do and knitting and things you can you you still it's i think it's gonna have a it's, it's gonna be stronger than ever so it brings about a value that didn't exist before because before it was just quite functional and prosaic yeah fair yeah. enough i accept that um, what about Apple trying to trick me all the time into updating? Well, software? I think you've got you, you, yes. So there is definitely going to be an aspect of of uh, companies wanting to stimulate the market by making a new thing that is either desirable or you in some way force it on users. So they, they it stimulates further onward sales. Um, but you have to accept that Apple do have their customers' interests in, in uh, at heart in some way because they. They 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 trade on their reputation. So if they keep if they just allow you to use the same old software with all the bugs and all the security vulnerabilities, and don't try to help you take on board the new updates, then uh, you you you'll you'll suffer data loss and you'll suffer failures that they could they they could have helped you with. So just like just like the state chooses to educate children, you know, lots of children don't want to go to school. But they don't realise how important it is until they've been at school. So you, it's like it's like having things forced on you that you don't really realise are a good idea oh, until good it becomes too me. late. Okay, great. It is good but, for you. But but I I think there's um, it sort of to me it highlights an interesting separation between uh, the improvement in the capability and uh, the change in the interface with which you um, interact with that capability. So. Um, I, I feel at the moment both are changing. So, you know, if you take the example of a plough, uh, if, if um, a, you know, a farmer turns up and uh, their plough looks exactly the same and it operates in the same way, but it, um, it just cuts a much better furrow in some, in some way, um, then that would be appreciated by the farmer. There'd be, you know, suddenly, somehow, behind the scenes, my, my plough has has improved. If they turn up and their plough is now, you know, a, a, a tractor, um, and they've no idea how to drive a tractor, they're going to be, they're going to be less uh, impressed. And I, I think it's getting this separation between 
and this is happening increasingly as um, you know uh, uh, human um, the the percentage of human effort in these things is is dwindling uh, that if they can just keep all of the improvement in capability somehow behind the curtain and the the buttons that we have to press more or less look the same but when you press them they just work better I think people would be much happier with that it's when the buttons suddenly all move around all over yeah. the place well, I think people... I think that's sort of that's like the definition of Ludditeism right so um, if you if the farmer who had this sort of single furrow plow was dragged by his ox was it was made to sit in this tractor and give it a go he would would very quickly realize the benefit of it because he could then lay off all his late workers and he could just do the whole field himself one mm. man um, so it's, it's 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 well I, su- I suppose so you know that that ability is it's what, what I'm trying to say is if you could take the ability of a tractor uh, and and deliver yeah, and that I, cap- that capability I, get, I, get that, I think a lot of a lot of software companies try to do that so they try yeah. to they, so this is where all they these make it continual seamless. updates come from is a lot some of these updates will include new functionality that's sort of snuck in there mm. um, and very and they good UI design you try desperately try to minimize impact of the ui but occasionally if there's a whole new thing which you can do you need to provide a new button otherwise people won't find it will never get used mm. so it's, there will be changes but yes it's, but sympathetic design and sympathetic change management will is, is very important yeah i mean theoretically that makes sense but in practice i still get bloody irritated with constant stuff from apple i wish they'd leave me alone but anyway i don't want, i don't want to go Chris, do you want to say? Yeah, well, I was just going to say, I think there's a there's um, a, a sort of difference uh, to be thought about between, um, you know, technology evolution and technology revolution. And I think, um, you know, generally in the past, the, the rate of a new, a brand new technology turning up and, and being game-changing in some way was much, much slower. Uh, and those revolutions didn't happen terribly frequently uh, and um, now they they do where people people can adapt obviously evolution is is more gradual and easier to adapt to I think it's it's the it's the perception of constant revolution that people find find difficult okay so let's bring it back to that then because I know one of the things we want to talk about and what we discussed we touched on at the beginning was the rate of 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 um, technological obsolescence so is there an optimal rate that the technology can com- become obsolete or is it just a fact of life that it, it's happening faster and presumably will continue to happen faster well i think it's a fact of life that technologies will um, become increasingly quickly at obsolete um but i think there are ways of managing it so your your this is the problem of data storage like uh, okay so we used to have cassettes now we've got cds now everything then it was in mp3s but once it got to the point where it was all mp3s um or it was all subscription based so if you use spotify or deezer or something similar you no longer have to worry about your your um storage format i think that and that's a useful positive change that can occur with other things other software um and, and other services so a good example like you 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 probably didn't notice the transition between copper and lead pipes going to plastic pipes in your infrastructure because it was just so behind the scenes you just you, it just didn't affect you you still got the water out whenever you I turn think the tap we on. did notice it because there's always roadworks 
Well, you know there's a transition, but you didn't. The, the, that's the, and that you will always notice. You'll notice things when there's there's the, the, during the dynamic change bit. But um, like the, there are lots of back end stuff that goes on in infrastructure that you don't notice at all. Um, you don't see inconvenience when it's outside your door, but um, and that that's a, a lot. There's the huge amount of churn change going on with internet and things that you you just don't notice. So, no, I mean, okay, like, I don't want to come back to where we were because I, I recognise the illogical extension of what I'm saying is I'd still be in a mud hut somewhere, you know, r cooking my uh, roast deer or something, and I go, no, I'm quite happy, you know. But I, so I don't want to go down that. But I mean, back to this question of do we just say, okay, well, technology is, the rate of, of technological change is increasing. Presumably there comes a point where... Uh, I, yeah, I mean, it, the, the question to ask is can technology increase at a rate that is too quick. Yeah. Uh, and um, I, I'm suggesting the answer to that might be yes. Um, you know, I mean, partly it's based on, on uh, capital cost of the thing becoming obsolete. You know, so if the thing you've just bought was, was uh, you know, a thousand pounds and three weeks later you've got to get a new one, that is not a viable economic but, but, model. But hold on, is that really the question? Because if it's the question sorry your question was you know um do we want that to happen but is there anything we can do to stop it is it is, is it is it a well i mean it's obviously a very competitive market you know the the barriers to producing a new version of something are are much less because the product isn't you're not having to build it in a factory somewhere and you know you change all your equipment to build it because the the barriers to changing it and developing it further are less than they have been um, and because this is you know a real focus of economic activity and there's a competitiveness in it there's no incentive to to slow things down um, other than the fact that you might alienate users and and there could be a consumer movement to hold on a minute you know can, can we just have this one for for 12 months please without without interfering with it um, because those other guys over there are changing things too quickly and I, I just I think it would be interesting to see whether uh, you you because again the decisions at the moment seem to be being driven by those who are most au fait with the technology and those for whom the transition is least problematic mm. um, will there be a consumer voice that that actually gets us to slow down our, our technological advancement. I, yeah, I, I just, know. I think that, that that consumer voice will always be, um, you know, a voice um, crying in the wilderness because ultimately um, companies, whoever's driving the technology will always be looking at, as, as Peter said, as a way to, to ease that, that change. And there was always going to be a certain element of people like myself going, no, 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 we don't want this change. But whether we want that change or not, or how uncomfortable or comfortable we feel it, about it or not, is irrelevant because it's going to happen anyway. Is that a, just a, a, a realist way of looking at things? Potentially, but I think there's, I think there is hope. I mean, you can, there's in the world we live in today, you you can you can collect together and and create collective action to, to to prevent this in a way so there's nothing to stop you from taking all your iphones that you you collectively whinge about because they change so much and writing your own operating system for it or employing people oh, there's to lots write stopping your own from doing that system. but anyway go on <laughs> um but yeah if you've got if you've found enough people who didn't like it together you could fund that 
and that this happened you know, the, the one of the reasons that the linux market is very is very diverse is because people like one way that it's presented so they sort of keep that going even though the the its original branch goes off in a different direction so they they like the way it looks they like the way it feels so they keep that particular branch going and so it, it sort of it splits it, it you get diff, two different versions maintained concurrently um so you can do that with phones you can you could get you I could imagine a they might might be out there already a version of android which is designed to be static and very similar and sort of a, a very generic version of android that doesn't change much but the underlying code is up to date it's just the ui is different hmm. to the to the base it just you know i always have this fantasy about moving off i don't know why why wales but moving off to you know north wales and having my own little community there and just um you know, no software updates. Using please. iPhone ones and yeah. nothing after that. So. And I say Wales. When I say Wales, I actually mean you know probably but somewhere th- in the Mediterranean. But anyway, yeah. um, <laughs> but, I, but I think looking at the iPhone though, the iPhone is a really nice example where you know the the the, the really cool bits of technology really in the, the iPhone is this is in the interface. It's this little rectangle that has a screen that's touch activated and a small number of buttons around it in different configuration. That hasn't really changed very much. The software that how it presents the information has evolved, but that hasn't changed. So mm. maybe you know they, maybe that that sort of interface is is going to be is going to be endured for fifty, hundred years because it doesn't. It's, they've got it right. They, well, and of course this this brings to to mind the um, commercial imperative to to update and make things obsolescent. You know that's why why fashion exists, for example, isn't it? Um, uh, otherwise, you'd have the same pair of trousers for for life. So um, you know there is there is clearly a drive. To sell us things, uh, but but equally there is a drive on the part of um, uh, consumers to um, be able to, to to use the things, and I think that the the, um, the balance between those two uh, will develop over time. Hmm. Okay, I want to wrap up. Before we do, um, a quick question: um, any bit of technology um, that you miss? So some past technology that um, you feel quite affectionate about, which no longer exists, or is, or you're quite odd for still using that bit of technology. Take a moment to think about this. Yeah, Chris. Uh, so um, for me, uh, it's the way computer games used to be on a, a ZX Spectrum, for example, uh, that I have a real nostalgia for the fact that um, the, the graphics looked nothing like you know what they were actually supposed to represent in the in the games, and yet I feel that made them much more uh, creative and imaginative things than they are to, today. Where I, I don't play computer games today. Can you give me I, an example? Uh, so a game like um, Jet Set Willy, for example, uh, is um, you know was a game which involved a little character jumping around platforms and collecting things and trying not to die. Uh, and it was just a few pixels stuck stuck together, but uh, the engagement I had with that game uh, far outweighs anything um, that you see mm-hmm. see today. Okay. And further, in fact, um, I, I watched the latest uh, sort of Harry Potter film, the the Fantastic Beasts and Where to Where to Find Them, and I realised uh, one technology which I could definitely do without is CGI. That any film that you know, has a, a big action sequence in CGI. I might as well just nip to the loo for for five minutes and um, and come back when it's finished. I just find CGI so boring. Um, but I think there you we need go. to suspend your disbelief a little bit more, Chris. Just, just 
displays. Well, that's that the problem. You don't anyway. have you don't have to. You know, it's like here's yeah. here's a thing. You know, but it's too prescriptive, perhaps. It's, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Peter, I I miss big CRT TVs. What's CRT? So the, the before you had flat screen uh, LED oh, with going out the and, back, yeah, the huge big bulge out the back because there was. They were naturally size limited because you just couldn't get a bigger thing through the door. So they, 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 <laughs> they, you couldn't make them any bigger than a certain a proper size. bit of furniture. Yeah, uh, because I, 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 I'm not a big TV person. I like films and I like dramas and things, but just I'm not one of these people who has a TV on all the time just in the background. I, I find that incredibly distracting. Uh, and although there's, there's, there's something good about being able to buy a tv of literally any size now mm. you can pick your size to suit your to suit your space people tend to go for the biggest tv they can get and having an enormous big bright rectangle in the room is enormously distracting right. so the, these size limited um huge big things in in the corner uh was, was, was something i missed i mean i can think i mean for me i it probably didn't feel like this at the time but looking back um Going back to your example with Jet Set Willy, I remember again on the ZX Spectrum, ZX Spectrum Plus, I think, is if I remember correctly, to load the game, you had a little tape that you put into a tape recorder that was in the, in the case of the ZX Spectrum Plus attached to the computer, and you had this sort of slightly nerve wracking minute or two of it making up loading noises and 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 say three times out of four it would work, yeah. but there would be a fourth time when it when yeah, it wouldn't. Well, you work. were ten minutes in and it crashed. Yeah, yeah. and so that so that sort of tense expectation will it won't will it or won't it work? At the time, actually, it was just a pain. But um, but looking yeah. back, and the, I think it's the noises, is the emotional sort of when I listen back to those noises, which I won't try and do an impression of. Um, but the other thing is, I remember my family had this massive um, record player, which was a, a sort of a half record player, half sideboard. And one of the cool things it did was stack records for you, and it did it in some sort of automatic fashion, mm. and that was really cool. But just on the flip of that, one thing I remember coming in, which just actually two things that just blew me away was one was the first time our household ever had a remote control for the television okay and that was just you know we were i felt like buck rogers with that um and uh, although it led so many fights between myself and my brother is not true but um similarly i remember the first time when we got a video and played a video and we were just astonished we were like we were sort of like going to it's like going to see a, a switching a light on for a pygmy when we when we re rewound it and we were watching all these people going fast in backwards and it was just it was just it was yeah it was it was the future yeah there we go all right i really enjoyed that chap so um thank you as always um i'm fraser mcgrewer i've been here with chris rag and peter coghill thank you for listening to the cognitive engineering podcast until next time bye bye mm -hmm.